night, fans. Mark Daniels. Welcome to our latest edition of our Around the Kingdom podcast. And today we focus on the tennis courts and for UCF's men and women, uh, the 20. 20- 19 and 2020 fall and spring season was certainly one that had a lot of uh, uh, highlights and uh, before the year came to a close uh, both the men and the women were having outstanding years and get a chance to catch up with uh, John Roddick the director of tennis and head coach of the men's program and um, uh, one thanks for joining us it was a great ride for both teams and and, and uh, I'm gonna ask you about the men it's unfortunate that the season came to the halt that it did but I know you had a lot to be proud of as you continue to build this program yeah, we were we were having a really good season. I mean, it, it started off at the beginning of the year in our in our individual season in the fall uh, with our number one doubles team making the uh, All American finals. They lost in a tiebreaker in the third set, so a little bit of a heartbreaker. But it's a you know that's our biggest tournament in the fall uh, from a collegiate level, and so it, it started off well there. And then um, you know overall our singles results, you know in, in our sport, the team, if you have a lot of guys winning a lot of matches, um, typically you're going to do well. And, and so we had a great fall from a from a win-loss standpoint in the individual tournaments had guys winning tournaments which is always great so um yeah it started off great and then kind of going to the team season uh lost a heartbreaker at ucla 4-3 to, to advance to the round of 16 of our national indoors but we, we played great our level was good so um as the year progressed you know we kept moving up the rankings and um you know and then unfortunately came to a, a screeching halt there in march uh, the team had won eight matches in a row. You said at 10-3, uh, the best start the program had in, in, in 17 years. John, was there a common theme during uh, that streak of eight in a row that stood out to you about the team's performance? Well, we started off with a really difficult schedule, and we won. Uh, like at Virginia, um, which was a huge win. Virginia won several national championships recently. So, um, and even the matches where we lost, it wasn't where you know where we walked out of the the facility thinking that that we played poorly or we you know we knew we were playing at the, with the nation's elite and at that level. And so, um, you know, I think as we got into the other part of our schedule, it relaxed a little bit. And then you know, as you do that, you start building confidence. And you know, winning is a is definitely a habit. I'm a huge believer in um, you know putting yourself in the position to to win a lot. I mean, you have to schedule tough, but at the same time, you have to have that that balance where guys can can maintain a, a high confidence level as well. So, um, as we got into the meat of our schedule, we we started to really get on a roll. And and you know, I, I like even in, in March. You know, sometimes we didn't play well, but we won the matches, and that's the you know, you as a coach, you really like to see that, especially in our sport. Is uh, you know, as Brad Gilbert would always say, winning ugly is is a beautiful thing. So, uh, you know, we, we had a few of those in that eight match streak, and and uh, then as you start getting through that you just you just start believing and uh we were we were on track to you know i, I think really have a, a strong end of the season john the time we tape this it's it, it, it it's a day away from the four-year anniversary of when you uh took the challenge to come to ucf as you look back for, for from you know when you got here to the team you're building which you know to, to build a program the way you wanted to do it um take some time um, what perhaps you look back and, and, and say, wow, uh, better than I thought on schedule where we are and, and, and for where we want to go. Um, what stands out to you as you look back at those four years? Um, it, it, it's an interesting one. I, I've, I've done it now uh, two two programs where you are basically starting a rebuilding process from the from the ground up. And, um, you know, both of them have gone relatively quickly. And, and UCF was a different in that we – we got we recruited a lot of players over the course of two years and we, and so my first year we, we just put a team together and we were losing some people well it really wasn't 
together. So we got some transfers, but they weren't necessarily with us for very long. Um, some of them only a year. Um, and, you know, so then we, as, as those guys were there, we started building, you know, from the, from the youth standpoint. And, um, you know, you, we had a lot of youth and, and I think that was probably the frustrating part from a coaching standpoint. You're, you know, typically you're dealing with one or two freshmen and we were dealing with four and five sometimes. And so, um, that, that was a challenge that maybe, I didn't see. <laughs> it was a little tougher than, than you think. On you know when you're looking at the recruits on paper. Um, now you know we're kind of entering that that phase where these guys are getting older, and um, all of them are coming back next year. Um, so you know it's something where you know we're, we're very excited. You know with the uh, coronavirus and everyone getting an extra year, this team will actually be together probably longer than I, I mean I can't imagine it. They, you know they have to be together the longest out of any team in the history of college tennis when they're done. So. Um, so it'll it'll be we'll, we'll kind of be in uncharted territory. So I'm very excited about the future, but at the same time, it's you know it, it's definitely you know it, it hasn't hasn't felt easy uh, to get to this point. I think our our team would say the same, but they're they're resilient. They and they put in the hard work. Gabriel DeCamps, Juan Pablo Mazzucci, Alan Rubio, guys that played uh, uh, one, two, and three uh, before again this season came to a halt. What do you like about them? How they have developed, and, and as you said, you challenged them. Uh, w- with the schedule and the way they perform to be part of that foundation that, as you said, everybody comes back next year. Right. Uh, you, know, you start with Gabe. He, he's our team leader at this point, and um, our first singles All-American this year, which is a, a great accomplishment. It's, that's just not something that's easy to do. Um, you know, so he's really... From a from a work ethic standpoint, he's really set the standard, and, and uh, Mizuchi as well has come in and, and only in his second year really started making strides. Um, and then when you look at Alan Rubio, um, you know he was a guy that would lose matches maybe that you would think he could win early on, and now he's really, if you look at his record this year, he won in that eight match winning streak you're referring to. Uh, he won, I don't remember off the top of my head, but three or four three setters. Um, you know that that maybe you're not before you go out of the match, you're not counting that as okay. We we can win there for sure. Uh, in that spot, and he started he started pulling all of those matches out, and so he's been a. I mean, that's been a huge improvement for him uh, mentally. Um, this sport is a global sport. Part of what you do to recruit is international. What's the challenge, and sometimes the the benefit and excitement of that to have a destination like Orlando, the facility at the U.S. National Center there? Um, how does that play a role in, in in your pitch to attract players across the globe? Right, our, our sport generally in, in, uh, in NCAA Division One is very global to begin with. Just because if you, you know, you go through any of the professional rankings, the high-level junior rankings worldwide, you're going to see, you know, ten or ten percent of the Americans say in the top hundred, um, and so it's just a, you know, just by nature, it's a very global sport. And you know, being here in Orlando. Um, you know, we, we have some recruiting advantages that, that other places don't have. I mean, you know, I, I was at Oklahoma and recruiting internationals to Norman. They don't they don't know it. You have to educate them on the place and you know, really convince them to come in on a visit and those kind of things. Whereas Orlando is, you know, it's Florida and a lot of them, a lot of the guys have relatives that live here. Um, we have a lot of uh, a lot of players from from Mexico and Latin America, and you know, it's amazing how many how many extended family members they have in the area within a hour two hour drive. So. We don't have to sell them on coming out to visit here, and then they 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 already know the place. And so, you know, when they come, and then with our facility at the campus, at the national campus, it's um, you know it's always going to show as is one of the best visits they go on. And so, um, so we have a little niche with that, and and you know we with that we try to focus. And so far, it's worked worked pretty well. 
Um, how might uh, your program and, and at the you know the USCA facility play a role as your sport begins to make its way back? As you talk, you have a fall schedule, the opportunity to perhaps host some events there. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I know you're looking ahead towards what might be a 2020 and 21 calendar and season. Um, how's that process uh, uh, working out? <laughs> right, uh, I was. I was finished with my 21 schedule uh, right around the time this all started to uh, to come around, and so we, we you know, it's, I, I looked at my calendar that I hand write on, and, and it looked like a five year old had gotten a hold of it with cramps, um, with all the all the cancellations and work with people cutting budgets, and so we've we've added a tournament that we're hosting in the fall with the USA because they, you know, they've been unfortunately lost a bunch of events that they were planning on too so um so for us being there is a natural fit to to go in together and look at what events we can create and bring to the campus in the fall um and then it's easy to get to for people so you know so from that standpoint teams are, are wanting us to host and it's, it's easy to host here so so we're, we're doing that and then we had to you know we had to adjust our scheduling um you know, a little bit more regional instead of flying, just to just to be on the safe side. Um, you know, we, we are still planning on one or two flying trips during the spring, but we also know that we might have to adjust those if um, you know things don't get better. Or flying still looks a little bit uh, a little bit dangerous for the for the student athletes and for the staff and everyone like that. So um, so it's still fluid, but I think we're we're, we're definitely making progress. And um, you know, luckily for us, we host here in the next year, so a lot of teams want to come here anyway. So um, so we're we're able to capitalize on that as well let me end with this um you know every sport's going to face some changes as to what we are going to assume we come out of this but just overall the quality of play in collegiate tennis you've done this a long time and you know that there's a model for 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 youth tennis and some are rushed to uh, turn professionals quickly but how much better is the quality and the depth of collegiate tennis in recent years um, I mean, I think it's it's been there for a long time. It's been heavily criticized, and uh, but at the same time, when you when you really look through the numbers, there's always you know five to ten percent of the players on tour in the top hundred have played uh, collegiate tennis. Uh, when you go into the double side of it, it the number is way higher. I, I don't know it uh, off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm imagining it's thirty or forty percent um, somewhere in that range because we we do emphasize doubles quite a bit in our game uh, at the at the college level. So you know, if you're if you're one of the top players in college. And you have a chance to make a living playing the game, um, you know, and that's for for our sport. That's all you can ask. It's a, it's probably the the most elite of the elite as far as being able to actually make a living um, compared to other sports. Because I mean, you realistically have about 100 to 120 players that make a a very good living doing this. Outside of that, it starts to become a struggle financially. So, um, yeah, I mean, when you translate that into baseball or football, I mean, you're taking literally the top 100 players, so you're you know, you're kind of borderline all stars um, at that point. So. Uh, it's it's a hard game to make it, but you know that, the college part it, it, it's good because we can extend kids' careers, um, you know, and give them a lot of opportunity that that they don't have to pay for, you know, or the schools we were able to take them to college tournaments, some pro tournaments. So uh, from that standpoint, it gives them you know that opportunity to play, you know, until they're 22 or 23 in college, and then spend a few years on tour to see if they're if they're good enough. He's the director of tennis, head coach of the men's side. He's watched the development of both the men and women uh, become now top 25 programs. And uh, despite the season cut short, the foundation in place will be a very strong season in 2020 and 21. John Roddick. John, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, Mark. Thank you. Men's 
tennis to women's tennis, and uh, Brian Konyeko ha- had his team playing incredible as uh, the year uh, progressed, and uh, the coach joins us. They were 10-3 and three before uh, the season came to a halt. Uh, coach, welcome. Um, I wish we were talking about the phenomenal season that your team had, but I do want to uh, ask you to look back, a team that got as high as 12th, uh, was playing so well, had such a, a great run, um, had ripped off of, of four straight wins um, and all set to play Texas in a big match. And uh, then the season came to a halt. But what, when you look back, what are you most proud of this year? Oh, good question. I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's tough that it came to an end. Um, so many things. I think what I'm most proud of, I think um, we were starting to really uh, get rolling as a team there. Um, we, our last match before uh season was canceled we beat Baylor in Waco and uh, that's known to be a very hard place to win there and uh, for our team to kind of come through and find a way in that match was huge momentum for us and I thought uh, we took a huge step as a team um, with that match just the way we competed and uh, you know we, we had a little bad of, a bit of bad luck in the beginning of the year we had um, a few of our players injured and um, you know everyone wanted to be back and healthy as fast as they can and I'm just proud of how badly they wanted to come back and started to come to fruition for us but uh, you know it's too bad that it got cut short. Um, look, you build a schedule to challenge a team. Sometimes it's to perhaps challenge them in, uh, later in the year or non-conference schedule. It, it ended up being, though, you played a bunch of ranked teams uh, 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 just out of the box in 13 matches in the spring. Yeah. Yeah, we, you know, I, I feel like we owe it to our players to give them the best uh, competition in the country and give them the best uh, chance they can to, to have the, against the best teams, you know. So, um, you know, I try to schedule as, as tough as I can um, to give our players uh, chances at ranked wins because, you know, for, for tennis, it, it goes by your 10 best wins uh, at the end of the season. So um, we try to give our players as many possible opportunities as we can. And, uh, and uh, I think it, it uh, helps them later on in season because, you know, they played the best talent. And by the time the NCAA tournament comes, they're, they're kind of ready for anything, hopefully. I asked John before, let me ask you, you came here July 5th, 2016, and you're asked to to build a program and, and uh, put your fingerprints all over it uh, to recruit the type of players that you want. And here we are now in 2020, and as we look ahead, um, what was the biggest obstacle and what do you believe is the biggest accomplishment that, that, that you gone through this process to, to get to where the program is uh, Danny White's mission all of his teams in the top 25 consistent you've begun to do that as you look back on that journey what stands out oh good question I think what stands out is just um, the the early years of uh, getting the the players to to believe what this place could be what UCF can be um, and um, you know, keep working to take it to new heights. You know, I look at the players who um, who I inherited, who ended up being uh, incredible, um, you know, visionaries and leaders of the program, and, and kind of helped helped us um, put it to where it is today. Um, you know, obstacles. I mean, there wasn't. I wouldn't call them obstacles. I think it's all it's all fun looking back at it now. You know, but uh, you know, the recruiting. Um, you know, UCF for me, it, it, it speaks to itself. As soon as we get kids on campus, it's, it's amazing the, the reaction that we get. I think, honestly, the first 10 recruits that I got on campus, I think nine out of the 10 
chose to come to us um, with other, in terms of other schools too. So I thought I found that to be incredible in the beginning. I thought it would be a lot harder to be honest, but um, you know, you come and in, come into UCF, you see campus, you see the beautiful USTA, you know, facility that we have, and it's just uh, it's pretty eye opening for the kids. A couple of All-Americans uh, that had not happened in this program's history. Uh, share some of the players that were the big difference to why this team was playing so well. Yeah, it's, I'm very happy for Rebecca and, and Marie. I mean, that's a, it's an unbelievable accomplishment. You know, they only choose, you know, 10 of the best players to be All-Americans in, in college tennis. So, you know, they, they probably don't understand what it means right now, but I'm sure they will later on in life, um, you know, what kind of accomplishment that is. But it just speaks to the fact of um, – how well they were playing this season and, um, you know, the amount of the help that, the, that they gave the team and confidence knowing that, you know, they can count on them for a point every single time, you know, but uh, they played some incredible tennis. They worked super hard as a team and they deserve it for sure to be one of the best in the country. Sometimes it's easy. We look at the players that play ones and twos. The difference of winning a match sometimes is not just at that top spot. So as you look at developing players and, and where the roster stands and players that have a chance to move up as you look towards next season, what do you like about perhaps the back end of that uh, group of singles? Yeah, I think that's I think that's been our strongest uh, suit. You know, I think we have we've had ten players on our team, and I would put uh, our ten against anyone's ten in the country all day. I think we've been very deep, and uh, especially this year, I was super proud of how some of our players who maybe sometimes don't get all the opportunities to step up, um, did step up in the season. You know, we've had some players that were, uh, you know, maybe not cracking our lineup, but beating Florida State um, when they had their number called because we had a couple injuries uh, early on or beating Texas A&M when we had a couple of injuries. So, um, you know, we pride ourselves on that. Our players dedicate themselves to uh, making tennis in 11 months out of a, a full year sport and developing. And, um, and it, it, you know, it helped us obviously in the, in the, end because um, they were ready to go um tell me about the recruiting process this uh this sport like i was asking john before it's a global sport um and and it it makes your recruiting different than really almost any other sport i think soccer's got that international uh flavor as well so what is that like as you not only try to find the best players in this country but you sometimes compete uh across the globe yeah, you know, it was um, that was kind of our process in the beginning. You know, before we started to really get on the map of college tennis, um, we were very strong in, inter- in international recruiting, and uh, it's different. You know, because for internationals um, to come to college tennis, it's um, it's almost it's almost like a failure to them because they all want to go to go pro. And then uh, once they realize they come here, it's, it's amazing. uh, You know, the level that college tennis produces and how many players make it onto the professional circuit after college. It's incredible. So um, it is, it is different, you know, because 50% of our recruiting is probably done overseas, if not more. Um, We just happened to sign a girl from, from Orlando area. uh, That's going to be a freshman this year. So that's, that's nice to have a local, but, but it is, um, it is a different landscape. You know, we, we, uh, we travel around the, around the uh, world to, you know, have dinner with a girl or, or watch her play and, and, um, you know, try to bring him over to the States. What's that UCF brand been like to watch it develop and, 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 and develop in tennis to become the respected program to benefit from a success of football, the growth of the university in your eyes, that UCF brand has been what in its development the last couple of years? I've just seen the pride, the pride grow in our student athletes walking around, you know, I mean, uh, 
Uh, obviously, it starts with uh, with Danny and the vision of the whole athletic department, our president, and then you know football doing its job uh, at a very very high level and putting us on the map. And um, and it trickles over to the confidence I think of everybody else. You know of uh, you know I think everyone is really into buying buying in the UCF as the new. Uh, the new uh, kid in town in athletics, and um, and you see that as, as confident as our kids talk about UCF and how athletics is, and uh, you know, and we compare ourselves to the best in the country. Uh, this sport and its growth the last few years, tennis is unique in that your players have a chance to to to, to compete as individuals, then be part of your team in the spring. Um, and the quality of play in women's collegiate tennis compared to five and ten years ago is where. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's night and day, you know, I think the amount of, like I said earlier, the amount of players that are giving themselves a chance to make money on the pro circuits now, whether it's singles or doubles, um, it's incredible. You know, I think a, a part of it is probably a little bit of, um, how in all sports, the, um, you know, the, the age of where you're peaking is uh, getting older and older. So for, you know, girls to come to college tennis and uh, now they're peaking at 25 years old, you know, so to have that development from 18 to 22 is everything for them to continue um, getting uh, an education and getting it paid for. And whereas before, you know, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you were considered almost old if you were 21, 22 on the, on the circuit. And now it's a completely different mindset. And I, I think you see um, players from the U.S. and internationally coming into college, believing the system of going to a good program, um, developing. And, and then uh, once you get done, when you're 22, to have a chance to make money playing the sport. Um, and I think that's what's made uh, college tennis such an incredible level right now. Uh, we all hope that normalcy comes uh, soon. We don't know really uh, when that might be, but as you begin to plan for uh, a fall and a spring, but really in the fall, there are some advantages of perhaps where we are, where you play. Um, have you given much thought to what a fall may look like for your team? Yeah, for sure. We've already been in a bunch of meetings with, uh, you know, fellow Florida coaches and uh, just in case, um, you know, we do happen to decide to cancel our national tournaments or some trips that we normally take. Um, We are looking to do, you know, hopefully some in-state matches against our best, uh, against the best competitions with the Florida's, Florida States, Miami's and and everybody else. Um, We've been communicating to try to do local tournaments and still give our players the best chance to, to get good wins and play good competition but uh yeah there's definitely a plan a b and c that we've been talking about to get some tennis in brian um i know you guys didn't get a chance to finish what uh you started but it certainly uh was an outstanding season the foundation is late i know that you're looking forward to next season because uh, the program has established itself congratulations to you and the players in the year that it was and uh we'll talk again down the line thank you Thank you, Mark. Thanks for the time. Uh, some good stuff on tennis uh, on our podcast this week. Uh, we thank you for joining us and follow all the latest UCF news on our many social media platforms. A big thanks to uh, Dan Fursella, Kenny Landis of our UCF Media Relations Department, and uh, Scott Harris for his production work uh, as well. Mark Daniels, thank you for joining us for this week's Around the Kingdom podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Knights! Charge on!